0: Hello and welcome to Nightcap with Jim. I'm the titular Jim, and tonight we have a pretty interesting um, episode for you. We're going to be talking about a documentary called Best of Enemies, and a couple of films called Frost, Nixon, and Good Night and Good Luck. For more content you may enjoy, please check out our Morning Mogami podcast and our other social media content at Mugami Players across all the different social medias. All right, let's get into it. So, uh this episode is a little bit themed. Um, if any of you have heard of one or more of these projects, you will know that already um, and i 'm not going to get into politics um, you know just you know as a discussion uh, i 'm not going to talk about my personal stuff too much um, i 'll just you know mention one or two things about myself personally, um, just so you can understand the context of where I'm coming from here, but I'm not gonna, like, take, I'm not taking sides or anything like that, these just happen to be three incredibly fascinating films that, um, I think, even though the events we're in, um, you know, take place in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, um, I think they're, uh, kind of timeless in a way, and, uh, relate a lot to, um, just kind of the current climate that's going on, so I just think it's, it's, uh, they're interesting to watch and just see kind of, like, you know, like, compare and contrast kind of where we were, where we are kind of a thing, so I just wanted to start with one that's not necessarily super duper, like, you know, like, all of, like, about, like, a political figure, um, it's more about the, uh, kind of, um, the inception of what we now know as election coverage, um, and this is, uh, and kind of like the birth of punditry, uh, which is this documentary called, uh, The Best of Enemies, uh, Gore versus, uh, Gore Vidal versus, uh, William F. Buckley Jr. Uh, it's absolutely a fascinating documentary, um, uh, I've watched it so many times because it's just, um, unendingly uh kind of informative and entertaining at the same time uh which is kind of why the f- the the formula that was used um, for these two guys to talk about issues uh over the course of the uh Republican and democratic national conventions in sixty eight um, kind of became what is now the norm um, for how uh elections are covered and so basically what happened what happened was You've got Gore Vidal, who, you know, he's uh author of, you know, um so many politically based uh novels, uh like Lincoln and uh you know uh these uh like the and this great uh thing called the best man, um which is, you know, got turned into a movie which is just about like does the best candidate actually get to win or is you know the election process kind of skewed uh to one person or another um and uh you know the guy just uh he's got a lot of acumen and smarts uh but he also has a bit of a chip on his shoulder because he does come from kind of a dynasty of of politicos and uh originally wanted to um you know run for political office he did and didn't win and then he you know just kind of went back to writing his books and stuff and he's written some really controversial stuff like Myra Breckenridge which uh just just go on IMDb or something like that and type I and type Myra Breckenridge in and uh you'll just be like uh, what is this um <laughs> it's pretty it's pretty crazy um but yeah so this guy you know He's he's got uh, the uh he's got the uh, uh you know the 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 knowledge and the uh wherewithal to speak intelligently about politics and political matters. And he takes the more left or liberal side of things. And then you have William F. Buckley Junior, who is the conservative and he's almost a, you know, mirror image in some ways of Vidal and Vidal is a mirror image of him uh, because because Bol- William F. Buckley also ran for political office. He ran for mayor and didn't win, um, but he found something very interesting, which which kind of radically changed the conservative uh, side of things in terms of, uh, uh, politically, in terms of you know. So he he kind of found this spot on the the right that uh you had to be a certain amount of right or you were left so you, you know what i mean like so like it's like a scale if you will and if you're you know on the left on you're on the left side of this point on the scale then you're a leftist even though you're conservative Um, so it it became this kind of far-right sort of thing, like, so he kind of discovered the far-right sort of philosophy of this, you know, of the conservative movement, so both of these guys are, you know, very, very important to um, politics in general before they even, you know, end up in this position, and what happened was ABC wanted to do some radical, because they were a new up-and-coming network at the time, there were only three networks, um, NBC, CBS, and ABC, and ABC was the, you know, the little kid of the three, and they wanted to, you know, do something to beef up their numbers, and they thought, oh, someone had a great idea, like, why don't we get, you know, two guys from the right, one from the right, one from the left, and we'll have them, you know, kind of debate it out, battle it out, um, all these, um, subjects and issues, of the time and, uh, see what happens, and they got William F. Buckley Jr. for the conservatives and Gore Vidal for the, for the left, and they did, uh, a series of televised debates that was just basically kind of a free-for-all where they would sit down for an hour or so during the, uh, like after kind of the, uh, day's events of the convention wind, were winding down, and they would have a series of vigorous debates, um, I'm not gonna get too into, like, who won or who lost, um, again, because I'm not trying to take sides or anything like that, I just want to tell you about this documentary, uh, because of, uh, just the, um, the way that these debates were, um, held, and the effect that that has had, um, on the way the media covers elections nowadays. Um, personally, again, I'm not going to get too into my personal politics, but personally, uh, I don't actually take sides in this really, in this debate too much, except for a couple of moments, you know, um, for instance, William F. Buckley Jr., he, uh, brings up Myra Breckinridge not even, like, as a thing, like, he, like, just as, just like, oh, well, the author of Myra Breckenridge would definitely, would, would of course say that, and, you know, um, it's just like, okay, dude, it's kind of like how Eminem mentions the fact that him and Dre have been making music for 20 years, like, every third song, he's like, yeah, I'm with Dre, and it's like, okay, M, we get it, you and Dre are homies, you know, like, you, you, you're also pretty good, just, like, as Eminem, like, you can stand alone without Dre, dude, um, that's Dr. Dre, for those of you who don't know anything about the rap game, uh, but, yeah, so Buckley, he brings up, um, Myra Breckenridge a bunch of times, and, you know, before the sixth or seventh debate, he hadn't even actually sat down and read the whole thing, um, and then he did, and then he's just kind of put that whole thing to bed, for a while, uh, (laughs) until about the eighth debate, but, you know, whatever, you'll, you'll see if you watch the documentary, um, and Vidal, he has this interesting thing where he practices his, like, ad-libs, like, he's got, like, his ad-libs written down on his sheet, like, so he's, you know, like, thought ahead, like, to what Buckley, how Buckley will respond to a certain inquiry or statement or whatever and then he'll have these planned ad-libs, which is really weird and odd, but, you know, everybody has their own strategy when it comes to debate, um, and so, like, beyond some of the more radical, crazy stuff that Buckley says at times, you know, there, I agree with certain points, you know, um, and Vidal, same thing, you know what I mean, like, there's stuff I agree with, stuff, meh, you know um <laughs> so uh it's a very very interesting to see two people who are very articulate and even by you know 1960 standards and you know much less today standards they're very intellectual people these two guys and um both of them kind of had this belief Um, that one of the, that one of the reasons that neither one of them won their, the, their respective elections was because they were so intellectual, you know, and again, being mirror images of each other, they both came from, you know, kind of, sort of similar backgrounds in a way, like there were outsiders who, you know, tried to come in, but, and, you know, even though they made their, they kind of got a foot in the door they they were still always kind of outsiders, in a way, and a lot of that was because of their affectation, uh, affectations, the way they talked, um, which they were both Americans, but they had this kind of, you know, up upper crust sort of vibe about them, you know, uh, this very intellectualism sort of way of speaking, and so you get to people like that who are, you know, so much intellectual opposites and contemporaries Uh, to butt heads, and you just get, um, television gold, so, anyway, definitely would recommend checking out this documentary, it's, uh, like I said, it's incredibly fascinating, um, and just riveting to watch this stuff, uh, and then it kind of goes off the rails (laughs) towards the end there, um, uh, but, you know, produces one of the most compelling sort of, uh, rivalries in, um, you know, American intellectual history, so, best of enemies, Vidal versus Buckley, give it a check it out, give it a check it out, um, check it out, give it a watch, give it a watch, (laughs) little Freudian slip there, um, actually, that wasn't a Freudian slip, but anyway, see, I'm trying to sound smarter than I am, it's not working, anyway, shut up, Jim, uh, Best of Enemies, give it a, uh, give it a look-see. Maybe it'll, you know, something will happen, or maybe you'll just be entertained by it. Who knows? Um, take a quick break, and we're going to be back to talk about Frost Nixon. Stay tuned. All right, number two on this list, uh, we're talking about Frost Nixon. Um, if you don't know what it is, is the, uh, first really, like, in-depth interview that, uh, Richard Nixon gave after he resigned the presidency after the Watergate scandal, and, you know, so on and so forth that happened, uh, at the end of his, uh, presidency, and he was interviewed by a guy named David Frost, who did, uh, you know, a lot of talk show stuff, a lot of, like, entertainment show stuff, like, you know, um, Uh, like hosting a, uh, you know, like an escape artist, doing escape artist stuff, Uh, all kinds of, you know, variety, a variety of different kind of entertainment style hosting TV show uh, duties, and uh, watching, um, again, I I mean, well, not again, but uh, I don't know how accurate this is, but in the film, he gets the idea while watching um, Nixon leave the, uh, White House for the last time to interview the guy, uh, just purely from a rating standpoint, because he had had a, uh, a show in America that did okay, but it just didn't syndicate very well, and so it got canceled, and, um, and then he had to go back home to Britain, and then come to Australia, so he's doing shows in Australia, he's doing shows in Britain, um, and he wants to get back on the, the big stage, as he calls it, uh, which is America, and so he comes up with this idea, and then he forms a team, but, like, there's no, like, real, like, formula or, like, strategy for how he's going to do this, he's just kind of going in and doing his thing, and what makes this film really particularly fascinating, other than the fact that Ron Howard directed the living crap out of it, uh, is that it feels like, this particular, um, interview, kind of seems like it formed the, the basis, the, the early, um, idea for Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg's film, The Interview, um, and in that film, James Franco plays this, you know, talk show interviewer, um, who, you know, it's not very serious, you know, um, and they go interview Kim Jong-un in North Korea, and the reason that Seth Rogen's character feels that, you know, James Franco's character Dave Skylar can do this is because of his interview style, which is, you know, he um, just throws out some softball stuff um, and reels them in, and then, you know, unleashes you know, whatever the plan is, so, like, he just, you know, kind of takes it, takes it easy, puts the subject, the interviewee at ease, and then, you know, hits him with the hard stuff, so that's kind of what goes down in, in, in this film, and, you know, if you actually ever sit and watch the actual interviews, those are incredibly fascinating to watch, too, um, but seeing this kind of duel between you know this guy who this this t v personality who um you know is not really like he doesn 't seem like he 's equipped to butt heads with this this you know what people uh, a lot of a lot of a bunch of characters in the film and you know in real life have called you know one of the greatest con men in American politics, and you know, uh, it's just interesting to see those t- the two personalities like that that are so divergent, um, so different from each other, butt heads uh, over these you know incredibly important issues to the American public and to the public at large, and you know across the globe. Seeing this person who a lot of people, um, you know, saw as uh, one of the most corrupt individuals if not the most corrupt individual in the history of the president, of the United States presidency, and it's just so, uh, breathtakingly enthralling to watch this stuff unfold, you know, um, and it's also just incredibly entertaining. That's the thing about all three of these projects, and the only reason I wanted to talk about them is because they're so bloody entertaining, you know, uh, and it's just words, you know what I mean, like, it's, all it is, it's just people talking, there's no action sequences, there's no, like, espionage, or, like, screwed up, like, insane, you know, like, Shakespearean soap opera twisty stuff going on, like, it's just people talking, you know what I mean, like, 90% of all three of these films is just people in a room talking about something and, um, and they're just incredibly entertaining, you know what I mean? Um, I liken it to Aaron Sorkin, um, and, you know, stuff like West Wing and the newsroom, which is, you know, again, it's, like, it's just people talking about stuff, but the way, the stuff that they're talking about, and the way that they talk about the stuff, that's what makes it so incredibly entertaining, you know, um, s- now, again, to just dive a little bit personally, um, for me, uh, I'm, uh, again, not taking sides here, uh, cause for me to, for David Frost to interview somebody like Nixon, highly irregular, um, you know, and if i was nixon i don't know if i would have said yes to it like cuz frost doesn't have that kind of credibility uh didn't have that credibility at the time to like seem legitimate enough to be the guy to interview richard nixon right you know right after he he resigned um the presidency uh which again you can see that parallel with with the film the new with the film the interview um, by uh, by Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg, where it's just like, you know, in that movie, everybody's like, Dave Skylark interviewing Kim Jong-un? Psh, what a joke. And that's how everybody, you know, looked at this interview with David Frost and, and Richard Nixon, just like, really, David Frost, this guy? Wow, whatever, you know, and nobody took it seriously, and then it ended up being one of the, you know, highest-rated, most-viewed, interview series ever made, so, you know, what does anybody know, um, but, uh, you know, it's just, it's just insane, you know, like, to think about (laughs) these kinds of things, like, these moments in time that everything kind of changes, but then it also doesn't, in a way, you know, um, so, yeah, it's, it's, again, it's just one of the, the, all, like I said, all three of these particular films, you know, they, they, uh, they can really make you think about, you know, where we were at the time, and, like, how, you know, anything, uh, could be construed a victory for either side at any one point, um, but, like, is it a victory, really? Like, has anything changed? Uh, you know, is, is stuff different? Is stuff better? Is stuff worse? What is, you know, like, So, um, they're very, they're very make you think kind of movies, you know, um, especially this one, because personally I've always kind of defended to a point Richard Nixon, you know, I've, I've always, you know, been one of the people that actually acknowledges the accomplishments that he did do that, you know, like weren't illegal and screwed up and like not cool, you know, like invading Cambodia, not cool, getting us out of Vietnam, that's cool you know, uh, brokering kind of friendships with the Chinese after, like, a lot of years of, you know, um, uh, animosity towards each other, that's cool, uh, breaking into the offices of, you know, the Democratic Campaign Committee in the Watergate Hotel, not cool, etc., 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 you know, um, So, you know, and, but, by the same token, though, David Frost is, like, kind of, you know, like, this guy has got no accomplishments whatsoever to, you know, be in the same room as a, a, a head of state interviewing them about serious stuff, like, not doing a puff piece, doing a legit political interview, and yet the guy, you know, after he found his footing, knocked it out of the park, and, like I said, created, and, you know, ended up producing one of the highest rated and highest viewed interview series of all time, so, you know what I mean, it's like, it makes you think not just about events and, and things like that, but also people, like, who are the right people at the right moment, you know what I'm saying, um, so, Frost vs. Nixon, Ron Howard directed it, so you know it's going to be good, uh, got, has a great cast, definitely, uh, definitely a must-see, um, again, it's super entertaining, but also can make you think, so check it out, all right, uh, quick break, and we'll be back with the final film on this uh, little list of mine, which will be good night and good luck, stay tuned. Alrighty, here we are for the third and final of this, a little, little ditty of mine, um, good night and good luck, which is, um, I think objectively speaking, one of my favorite political movies, if not my absolute favorite of all time, and, uh, this is, this film, um, documents the, uh, the battle in the press between, uh, Joseph McCarthy and Edward R. Murrow, um, McCarthy being a junior senator from Wisconsin who uh, started the, um, the uh, you know, kind of communist hunting committee and um, was regarded by many on both sides of the aisle as a little bit of an extremist um, or a lot of an extremist <laughs> uh, and, you know, just like going way too far over the line with um, with this, uh, Senate House subcommittee, um, and, you know, just, like, basically persecuting people for no other reason than they say some stuff that, you know, is like, freedom is freedom and freedom is awesome, and, like, that's like, you're a communist, okay, whatever, Joe, and Edward R. Murrow being, you know, this amazing, incredible, award-winning, you know, hard-hitting, a uh, journalist who, you know, had reported on everything from, you know, the the uh the the blitz in London during World War II um to, you know, anything. Um and, you know, just one of the most important um people uh to ever, you know, report the news, basically. And uh, the movie, first off, is just incredibly well done. Um, it's one of George uh, Clooney's first directorial efforts. Um, the first black film shot in black and white to win Academy Awards in 30, 40, 50-something year, A lot of years, basically. Many decades since the last film shot in black and white. Um, actually, or maybe like 20. Because I, I would believe it would be like Schindler's List yeah, anyway, <laughs> um, but, you know, so, uh, just as, from a filmmaking standpoint, super important, just like, hey, you can still make a movie in black and white, um, and, uh, it, it's awesome, um, like, black and white's not a dead, uh, sort of medium, uh, in terms of, you know, making a movie, Um uh, medium's not really the right word, but you know what I'm saying, anyway, uh, so, it's, like, and the cast is ridiculous, too, so you got, like, uh, David Stratharian, who, you know, masterfully plays Edward R. Murrow, George Clooney as the producer Fred Friendly, you've got, uh, uh, oh, Robert Downey Jr., and one of his first, uh, one of the, uh, one of those, uh, from, like, the, uh, early 2000s to 2008, like, that little bubble before he did Iron Man, like, his comeback streak Um, movies, and, you know, just so many other just amazing actors, like, Ray Wise, who uh, plays another reporter for the, for the network, and, uh, Clooney did something really interesting with this movie, where he kept anything, like, from the news reports, like, so, There is no actor playing Joe McCarthy, there's no actor playing any, you know, subjects that Murrow interviews at any point or anything like that on the news program. It's all the actual footage that was used by Edward R. Murrow and his team during these reports, which adds this level of kind of authenticity and realism to it that you wouldn't get if you had some, you know, if you had like James Gandolfini or somebody who would have done a great job as as Joe McCarthy, but you just would have kind of like lost something because then you have Joe. Mac- That's actually Joe McCarthy that you're looking at um, when he's you know talking about stuff, and that just kind of you know really grounds the movie in this sort of in this sort of really amazing way. Uh, but it's it's just again incredibly entertaining, you know. This movie, uh, it just and it moves by, you know. It just goes at like this Sonic the Hedgehog pace, just boom, you know. Just so it the like you start the movie and before you know it, the credits are coming up, and you're just like, what? That was like five minutes of a movie. It's an hour and a half long, you know. But you're just like, what? That went by so fast Uh, because you're just so wrapped up in what's going on, you know, Um, and this is one where I'll take a little bit more of a stance, you know, Uh, because McCarthy was definitely not a chill dude, like, I mean, this guy literally, like, if you can, if you, if you can have people on both sides of the aisle calling you, you know, saying that your methods are too extreme, that's a problem for you, you know what i'm saying like when when you have conservatives who are like dude you're 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 go you're crossing the line that's when you know that's when that like that's when just everybody no matter who you are can just like when when everybody can agree is just like yeah that's not chill dude that's not cool at all so you know mccarthy can bite it um <laughs> especially like considering that you know, like, who I am as a person, um, if I had, if, if you transplanted me back into the 50s during this whole thing, I for sure, you know, would have showed up, um, been called in front of this Senate House subcommittee, um, you know, trying to find communists, and the, the trippiest part about this particular period in American history, uh, and this, this, committee to, you know, root out communism, Brr! um, is, like, so many, like, groups and organizations that were on this, like, blacklist of, you know, this list of subversive organizations are, it's literally, like, kids for freedom, or, like, you know, like, like, whoever for freedom, like, freedom is a communist concept, you know what I mean? It's, like, What? it that it, it like it it doesn't even make sense. You know what I mean? It's literally just a person who's persecuting people for exercising their uh, you know, rights as American citizens. You know, freedom of speech, you know, freedom of religion, you know, and so on and so forth, bill of rights. And it's like it's it's really just a it's a persecution. And nobody, like, really was willing to stand up to this guy until Murrow came along, and he's like, you know what, this is a bunch of nonsense, and I'm gonna say something, and the nice thing is, is that Murrow, with all of his accolades and accomplishments up till that point, he had the clout to, to be the guy who took a stand, and say, you know, this is, enough is enough, this guy is he's continually crossing the line, he's hurting people, he's going after American service members of our military, like, who does this guy think he is, you know what I mean, and he doesn't even, like, go hard on him, like, you like you know, you might be imagining, he literally is just, like, reporting the news, that's all he's doing, like, he's using McCarthy's own words, the, you know, his own images, tape shot at the, well, not tape, but film, um, footage shot at these subcommittee hearings, you know, and just, like, just, this is what McCarthy, like, this is all he's, this is what he's doing, guys, like, America, this is what McCarthy's doing, kind of, you know, like, kind of like more of a wink or a nod to the camera than just coming out and saying, like, it's kind of screwed up, right? No, he didn't do that, he just, this is what, this is what this guy's doing, You decide. And, you know, and even that seemed to be so radical a notion at the time that the network was, you know, crapping its pants every time he did a report, you know, to the point where they're like, okay, well, you're going to do a bunch of these person-to-persons where you're going to interview some celebrity and it's going to be stupid and you're going to hate it, but guess what? People like it and it makes us money, so do it. And so, he would have to do these person-to-person celebrity interviews that he just abhorred doing in order to, you know, justify, um, you know, making the country eat its vegetables every night, as it were. Um, So, uh, it's just really interesting, again, because it's just like, you know, how far are you willing to go to do what you think needs to get done? Are you going to do something that you hate in order to do the thing that you think is important? Um, you know, like, so it's that whole kind of, like, uh, personal dilemma sort of a situation for Murrow a little bit, um, and it definitely, you know, the movie definitely is out of, uh, these three particular projects, the one that's more, most slanted towards one side, uh, than the other, because, um, while it is McCarthy's actual words, actual actions, actual, images, um, you never get, like, any internal dialogue from him, you know what I mean, because it's the, like I said, the real Joe McCarthy, um, and you spend all your time with Murrow and his team, so you never really get to spend time on the other side of the aisle, which, again, with this movie, makes perfect sense, because I don't think there's anybody who can objectively agree with anything that McCarthy did, especially on this subcommittee, um, because it was just so far over the line, um, that there, there's no really, there's was no real way to agree with any of it, you know what I mean? Like, com- like, you know, whatever you feel about communism, you know, I'm not a fan personally, uh, f- for the, I mean, like, when I was younger, like, the idea of communism, the basic core concept, was kind of mildly appealing, you know, just like, there's no ultra-rich people, there's no ultra-poor people, we're all kind of riding the same line, we're equal, you know what I mean, and that kind of made sense, but the more you think about it, and then you actually see it put into practice, uh, it's not like that at all, so, communism, not great, but, (laughs) um, but, you know, so, so, yeah, I mean, objectively speaking, I do agree, like, yeah, we probably don't, you know, we're not real friendly with communists. We probably don't want them infiltrating high levels high level government positions, you know, or anything like that, especially posing as, you know, a uh, Republican or Democrat and, you know, may, and po- and potentially becoming a policymaker. Like that would not be good at all. Uh, you know, because that's straight up an infiltration from one political ideology into another to corrupt it from within, and that's no bueno um so yeah, I agree with with that, but like the methods that this guy would use were just so ridiculous, and then when then and then you know things would fall apart on the dude because like he he overreached and you know, and he would just be like, well you guys you guys keep on going, you're gonna you're gonna be the one, like, I'm the captain of the ship, I'm jumping off the ship, and you're the new captain, so you can go down with the ship as it sinks, and it's just, like, really cowardly, you know, so, okay, that's as, that's as much of a stance as I will take, (laughs) Um, um, but again, just an endlessly entertaining, fascinating movie, that, uh, you know, can, again, make you think about where we are, where we were, you know, how, how are things doing, so, all right, I think that's all I got to say, um, uh, <laughs> I hope I didn't get too one side or the other for anybody, uh, that was not the goal, if, uh, you know, I did offend anybody, um, or if anybody thinks that I went too far with it, Uh, I do apologize. I honestly just wanted to, uh, talk about these, uh, particular projects because of the reasons I stated, you know, um, they're, they're, they're just wonderfully entertaining. Uh, they, they can, you know, maybe get something rattling around in the old brain pan, um, and, you know, make you go, hmm, I wonder, um, and I think that's important, you know, I like it when a movie or a documentary makes you sit back and just go, huh, interesting, you know, and make you, uh, you know, ramble around in your own brain thinking about stuff, you know, um, and I've got plenty of time on my hands, so I'm watching a lot of stuff, (laughs) you know, I went, I went on a bit of a tear and just, you know, was like, oh, Best of enemies. Love that documentary. Let's watch that. Ooh, good night and good luck. I love that movie. Haven't watched it in years. Let me watch that. Ooh, Frost vs. Nixon. I only seen that like once or twice before. I should totally watch that again because it's been like a decade or something since I seen it last. Um, and you know, here we are. Uh, um, you know, I tried to keep my personal stuff out of it, but you know, as with, as, as I am wont to do, I like to, you know, add a little of my own stuff every once in a while, um, just so maybe you get a little hint of who I am, a little, (laughs) but, uh, yeah, um, again, if I, if, if I went too far for anybody, um, I do apologize, uh, I just wanted to talk about this stuff, maybe start a discussion with one of you guys, not a political discussion per se, but just, you know, like, hey, stuff, interesting things, you know, um, that's, that's why I, I, as often as I can encourage you guys to, you know, send, send us, send me a DM on, on our Instagram pages, or on, you know, leave, leave some comments, um, on wherever you're listening to this, leave a comment, um, because I would be more than happy to engage with you, uh, person to person about any particular issue you have with, my show or any episode that I've done. Um, cause I do look at the analytics and I see what, you know, what, you know, is more popular, uh, on my, on my program than other things. So, and it changes all the time, you know? So, uh, so again, anybody who is out there and who's, who's an audience member right now, uh, please feel free to, uh, reach out to me if you, uh, have an issue, or if you just wanna, you know, chop it up about anything particular on, uh, any episode of my show. All right, I'm gonna stop rambling now, I'm gonna shut up, and I'm gonna let you guys go. Thank you so much for listening, um, I genuinely appreciate it, you know, uh, I do tend to get a little gushy, um, towards the end of these uh, pro- these these episodes uh, lately, just because I, uh, I just crossed my second year anniversary of doing this show, and um, I'm just uh, filled with joy that I have been able to do it for as long as I have, um, and it's all because of you, you right there, you right here, right now, listening to me talk like a dumbass, uh, <laughs> it's all because of you that I'm able to do this show, and I'm just unendingly grateful, and, uh, just filled with, uh, joy and happiness that I get to do something that I love, um, and that other people seem to like a little bit, so, <laughs> so thank you so much for listening, that is the show for tonight, uh, please check out our Morning Montgomery podcast hosted by Heath LaBombard, if you like my show, you're probably gonna like his, um, you might even like it more, uh, you might like it less, who knows, give it a listen, and you'll find out, <laughs> all right, um, yeah, that's it, uh, check out Heath show, Morning Mangami, check out, um, our other social media stuff at Mangami Players, um, from Mangami Players, which, uh, is our main page, you can find our other social media stuff, like What for Food on Instagram, where we do food stuff, um, and, uh, Joint Productions, um, which is also an Instagram, a new Instagram page of ours, Uh, And all that other great stuff, our YouTube page and so on and so forth and blah, blah, blah. It's all a bunch of awesome content that you got to check out. All right. (laughs) Thank you again so much for listening. You have yourself a great night, a great day, evening, morning, noon, night, another night, another day. Who knows? Have have a good time. (laughs) Okay, I'm done. I'm shutting up now. (laughs) Thank you for listening. Good night. (music) Thank <music> you.